And we live in a time where we need the power and the protection of God on our lives, perhaps as never before. And that's going to be my topic today, the protection of His presence. We continue in the series on pursuing His presence. You know, I was reflecting on the early church. Under the leadership of the apostles in the first century, the church grew rapidly, spreading the gospel across the entire Roman Empire. We're told that during that time, the population of the world was approximately 200 million people. And Christianity grew from 120 people in an upper room to 20 million people in just 200 years. Without the you know, modern technology, without the um, technological advances we have in today, um, you know, that we're traveling even, for example, the church grew exponentially and literally was fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ that the whole world, the Roman Empire at that time, had experienced the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ as King of, and Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, what was the reason for their growth? Why did they experience such breakthrough and, and power in advancing the kingdom of God on the earth? I want you to recognize that these were not seminary trained people, but yet they were entirely versed with the scriptures. They knew the word of God just in a very deep and profound way. They had not attended the ancient schools of philosophy, but yet they demonstrated wisdom that was supernatural. Wisdom not just beyond their years, but wisdom that came from another realm. On top of that, these disciples of Christ had no formal training in rhetoric, yet their preaching was more powerful and persuasive than the ancient Greek orators. So what was the reason for their power? The Holy Spirit, because they depended on the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus, when commissioning them to preach the gospel to the nations, to make disciples of the nations, he told them to tarry or to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the power that the Bible speaks of here is divine enablement. It's supernatural power. It's the divine ability that comes from God. It's the Greek word dunamis. So this wasn't something that um, they fulfilled in their own strength, by their own resources, but they relied heavily upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we must today. You know, that which makes us different, really, from other religions, it's not just our theology. It's not just even the fact that we, we love people and we help the poor and, and we, you know, do things to advance the gospel. But ideally and ultimately, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Not our eloquence, not our education, not our expertise, none of these things, but the enablement of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We pray this prayer often, but sometimes we don't really quote this verse fully. It says that He, God, is able to do exceedingly abundantly or immeasurably more than we could ask or think. And we amen that and we love that and that's true. But the rest of the verse says, according to the power that works in us. 
This power, this dunamis that the New Testament speaks of, this divine ability, that it is a power that is in us. In fact, in Romans, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me. So we have this supernatural power. We have this divine ability from God, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be able to make a difference on the earth. In our previous sessions, we looked at Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. And it talks about Satan's objective is to cover the earth with darkness and the people with deep darkness. God's plan, of course, is that the light of His glory would shine among His people, upon His people, through His people, so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. So the church is the means by which God reveals His glory on the earth. The church shines forth the light of His presence into the darkness. The New Testament followers of Jesus were diligent in guarding the presence of God in their lives. They sought the presence of God more than anything else. They realized without the power of the Holy Spirit, they would not be effective. Jesus' final message to them really in John 15 where he was speaking in the context of the coming of the Holy Spirit, is that unless they would abide in him, they could do nothing. They would have no power. They would not be effective until they learned the secret of abiding in him. I love what John the Baptist said in Luke 3, 16. He spoke about how he baptized with water unto repentance, but there would be one who would come after him who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the metaphor of fire is significant in the scriptures. Fire, of course, can be powerful, but fire can also create damage. And so what we're talking about here is the power of fire and how the fire of God must continually be burning in our lives. And in the natural, there's two ways you can put out a fire. You can suffocate a fire. You can throw some material on it, non-combustible material. You can use a fire extinguisher, water, whatever it takes, and you put the fire out. Another way is you starve the fire. And what do I mean by that? Well, you just don't stoke the fire. You, you just stop fueling the fire. Either way, the fire will eventually go out. And so in the New Testament, we are warned as believers that we are to not put out the Spirit's fire. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Another translation says, do not quench the fire or the Holy Spirit. So we can put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We do that by grieving the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 4.30. We can also do that through um, a life of disconnection from the Lord, where we're not praying, where we're not worshiping Him. All of these things will result in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, not at that level of optimum that God wants it to be operating in our lives. You know, as we look around today in this 21st century and we see the church, in some respects, what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, is so true today. He said, they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power. You know, without the Holy Spirit, we are not able to fulfill the life that God has called us to. We are not able to complete the mission of taking this gospel to the nations of the world. We look at our churches today. We have at least four types of churches in the world. There are churches that are program-based. There are churches that are 
personality-led. There are churches that are preaching-centered. And then lastly, there are churches that are presence-driven. And what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, programs are great. We need programs. We, we need structure. Believe in that completely. Personality-led, we need strong leadership. Absolutely, I'm convinced that leadership is critical in this day in which we live. And of course, we want biblical preaching. We want preaching that will draw people to Christ, that will convict people, that will encourage people, that will comfort people. But ultimately, everything we do must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The words of Peter in 1 Peter, he speaks about this in chapter 4, verse 11. He says that whatever we do, however we serve, let's do it with the ability that God himself provides so that the Lord may be glorified in all things. Paul spoke about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and he said that his preaching wasn't in wise and persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And this is what he said, so that your faith may not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Today, more than ever, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the anointing to be able to break through the darkness, to be able to reach those who are lost and who do not know Jesus Christ. I was thinking of the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. And, you know, there's this verse that we're all familiar with, verse 20, where it says that Jesus is standing at the door of the church and he's knocking, asking if he could come in and be part of their fellowship. And, and the point I'm bringing out here is that contrary to popular opinion, when Jesus is standing at the door knocking, he's not speaking to sinners. He's speaking and addressing a church that was holding services where he was no longer recognized as the guest of honor. Wow. So as in Laodicea, so today, religious activity has become a counterfeit for the very presence of Jesus himself in many of our gathering places. One of Satan's most successful tactics is to deceive or to distract God's people so that we become, um, we settle for a life, living a Christian life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, a life that's not fully yielded to the Spirit. So if the enemy cannot succeed with a strategy that will result in our destruction, he will settle for a plan that will culminate in our reduction. And what I mean by that is, if the enemy can't make us bad, he'll settle for us being busy. And I want you to think about this. Ultimately, even though being a bad person has more um, impact socially, the fact is, if we're just a busy person, if we're not seeking God, if we have no communion with Him, we're not pursuing His presence, then what we're doing, we're doing in our own strength. What we're doing is apart from the ability and the power of the Holy Spirit. And our life is no longer marked by His presence and by His anointing. We are in a time, this COVID-19 crisis, where more than ever, we need the divine protection of God. And a familiar chapter in the Bible to us, a chapter that we hear almost on a daily basis being referred to is Psalm chapter 91. And I'm gonna just read a few verses here. Psalm 91, 
verses 1 and 2, and then verse 9 and 10. In the New Living, it says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. And then it says this, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. Now, this is a promise in the Word of God. And many of us today, I believe, would say, well, that was back then and it's no longer relevant to us today. And I by no means am trying to minimize the importance of washing our hands, you know, the sanitary things that we need to do, the, the steps and, and, and the measures we take to isolate ourselves during this time. I believe that's important. I believe we should do that. But ultimately, that does not ensure our protection. Only God is our refuge. Only the Lord is our shield and our protection. Now, the scripture tells us he who dwells or he who lives in the shelter or the shadow of the Most High. First of all, that word dwells literally means to remain, to settle, or to make your abode. So it's not speaking about a person who, you know, casually or occasionally visits, but it speaks of a lifestyle. It speaks of making your habitation in the secret place of the Most High. And then it says this, that we will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The word abide speaks of rest. It speaks of protection. It speaks of what God does for us. And I love the concept of rest throughout the Bible. I've done quite a bit of study on this. And you know, the amazing thing is there is a place in the Lord where He makes wars to cease, where He protects His people in a way that we can never protect ourselves. The scripture says in Proverbs 16 verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. The word salvation in the New Testament language, soteria, means to cause one to be free or protected from the harassment of an enemy. And you can read about that in, in Luke chapter 1, 74 and 75, where it says that he will protect us and he will watch over us so that all the days of our life we will live in peace and we will be free from the attacks of the enemy. It's an amazing promise that God has made available to us today. I love the story of Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, this great king, this man of God. And there's some scriptures, uh, some references to the story that often we, we fail to really dig into and and, and uh, discover the, the, the full depth of what God is saying here. So I'm reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, speaking of Jehoshaphat and how he had just won a great military battle against his enemies. And the scripture says, when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came upon them all. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Wow, that's amazing. And then earlier in 2 Chronicles, again, speaking of Jehoshaphat, chapter 17, verse 10, 
The fear of the Lord fell over all the surrounding kingdoms so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. What an amazing promise. Jehoshaphat was a man whose ways pleased the Lord. If you read earlier in this 17th chapter of 2 Chronicles, it talks about how he pleased God and he was devoted to the Lord. And what ended up happening is God became his protection. God's spirit, God's presence literally became a shield and it caused the fear of God to fall on his enemies so that they wouldn't even touch him. He was at rest. He had peace because of the presence of God. And as I said, when the Bible speaks of a man's ways pleasing the Lord, he, he makes, God makes, our enemies be at peace with him. This is part of our inheritance in the New Testament in particular, that God will protect his people. He will watch over his people. You know, it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that we have power and we have authority over all the powers of darkness. And it says, and nothing will harm you, nothing will injure you is what it means. And the idea in the Greek language is nothing will violate the law. And so the idea here is this, that God has divine laws. And when God says, and when he finds a person who is fully submitted to him, who makes him their shelter, who finds uh, their protection and their rest in him, who abides in him, who dwells in him, God says, I will watch over you and the enemy cannot trespass. The enemy cannot harm you. And this is a general principle in the scripture. I'm not saying that we don't suffer in this life. And I'm not saying that Christians never get sick or that doesn't happen. I'm saying this is a principle in the word of God. And this is something that we need to believe and aspire for. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why scripture speaks about this, but yet there are some people who do struggle. But I would rather stand on the word of God. I would rather believe what God's word says as my norm, as my pattern and way of living. So the scripture talks about how God will bring rest, protection to his people, but it's to those who are submitted to him, to those who are yielded fully to him. If we want to have authority, we must be submitted to authority. This is a biblical principle. We must fight, make God our protection, our refuge, our shelter. He's not someone we run to just when we're in trouble, but it's a lifestyle of living, abiding, dwelling in his presence. God has promised in his word to protect us. So not only does his presence offer us protection and power over the forces of darkness, but I want you to also see that God says that we can be on the offense. We can be assertive in the sense that we can go out and see the powers of darkness decimated. We can do that through our prayers. We can do that through healing the sick, through speaking forth the word of God, just as Jesus did when you study the gospels, when you read the book of Acts and the New Testament. You know, religious activity and service that is void of the Holy Spirit is of no concern to the enemy. But what he absolutely loathes is the anointing because he knows it's only the anointing that can stop him. Only the anointing can destroy what he's doing. And God is looking for people that will dwell in the secret place, that will pursue his presence. Such a people will find protection, but such people will also be empowered because the anointing we know destroys the yoke of bondage. It causes those under the influence of Satan to be liberated 
Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good in healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The enemy despises the anointing because he knows it's the only thing that will render him impotent. We need the anointing now more than ever. I was recently revisiting a story that I had been familiar with in the life of John G. Lake when he was living in South Africa during the time of the bubonic plague. Now many people were dying in South Africa and John G. Lake and, and some of his associates um, were involved in actually going into the homes and collecting the dead bodies and burying them. Sometimes they would put four or five bodies in a single grave. They had no protection, history tells us. But interestingly, they never became sick. John G. Lake never became sick. So one day, a doctor came um, from another country just to help out in the crisis. And the doctor was really curious as to why John G. Lake was not getting sick. So he inquired, he said, what is it that you're doing so that you're not contracting this disease? Here's John G. Lake's response. He says this, I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. Wow, that's pretty radical. Many of us today may even have an is take issue with this, but I want you to understand the principle here is that there is, pr there is power. There is protection. You know, if you continue to read the story, he actually challenged the doctor to take some of the foam from the lungs of those who had been dead, uh, by, died from the bubonic plague. And under a microscope, he touched the germs and the germ actually died is what history records. It was documented. It's, it's an amazing story of the miraculous power of God. And I want us to believe that God ultimately is our protection. Who knows how many times we'll only find out when we go to heaven that God had protected us and we were completely unaware. I believe today for those who make the Lord their shelter, their refuge, that God offers supernatural protection, but not only protection for ourselves, but power so that we can continue to advance the kingdom of God. I believe we need to be cautious. We need to adhere to the measures that the government has, has requested of us, but ultimately we have to trust God. We must believe in Him. We must be filled with His Spirit. We must take shelter in Him. And as we do, He's promised to give us rest. He's promised to protect us and to empower us so we can continue to live in a way that fulfills this calling that God has placed upon every one of us to share the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. Let's believe that the power that is in us, he who is in us, is greater than he who is in the world, is greater than COVID-19, is greater than any sickness or disease, is greater than the very powers of hell itself. Let's believe that, let's confess that, let's pray that, let's declare that and decree that, and let's walk in that. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I believe that God is with us. Let's go into that place, that secret place. Let's seek his face during this time and let's make it something that becomes our lifestyle so that we carry the anointing, we carry the glory 
in what the Hebrews call the Shekinah glory, which is like the manifestation of the glory. Even though that particular word is not found anywhere in the Bible, later on some of the elders used it to speak of the manifestation of God's glory. I want to close with a dream I had a few years ago. And interestingly, now, probably more than ever, this dream makes sense to me, and I, I didn't understand it. So there's really two things that, that I saw. First thing was I saw a time when people would be locked in their homes. This dream, probably six, seven years ago, people were locked in their homes, and the thing that I noticed when they were locked in their homes was they were, it wasn't like there was a lot of people gathered. It just seemed like small groups, perhaps even just families. Isn't that true today, what's going on? And then it just seemed that after an extended period of time that there was peace and people started coming out of their homes and they were so appreciative. But I noticed that there was a remnant of people. There was a core of people that were really praying during this time of being isolated and, and secluded into their, in their homes. So this is the one thing I saw. The other thing that I saw was uh, I saw a group of people and I knew that these people were all professing Christians. They, they claimed to be followers of Jesus. And it was like this pressure, this force, uh, like an oppression was, was bearing down on them. And many of the people were succumbing to this pressure and they were falling down. Um, they, they weren't able to walk upright. And I realized that this pressure was something spiritual, was something demonic. It was of the darkness. But then in the same dream, I saw people who were not being affected by this in any way whatsoever. And it was like there was a, almost like a force field, a shield of light that was around them and was guarding them from this oppression and from this darkness. And at that time when I saw this, I heard in my spirit as I was sleeping, Isaiah 61 and 2, which talks about the darkness and the glory of God. And the Lord said that my glory is critical today. And, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, it's not enough for my people just to be good. They need to access my glory. They need to pursue my presence. There will be a time where it is critical and they will be the only ones standing, those who know how to make the Lord their shelter, their refuge. And they dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And I really believe that that word is for today. It's very applicable to the time that we live in. We need His presence. We need His glory. That's why it's so important that we continue to pray. And, uh, you know, we can sit at home. We can do different things just to because we're bored and to fill our time. But ultimately, why don't we spend this time going deeper with the Lord, pressing into His presence in prayer and worship, we can get online with our brothers and sisters. We can pray with our families. Let's do it. Let's seek after His presence because there's protection and power in His presence. God will and is watching over His people. Seek Him, trust in Him, make Him your refuge and watch what He does in your life. God bless you. What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken and more for just $5.99 each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can...
two item minimum. Pan piece of bone and wings and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. <laughs> the moment you realized you were mistaking your kids for co-workers? Okay, team, I'm uh, taking my 15 now. Taking 15 what? Was the moment you knew it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, our simple, customizable search tool lets you search for part-time, full-time, and even work-from-home jobs, so you can find a job that fits your lifestyle. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com.